Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew podcast. So I found a guest that is um, somebody that I needed to have on my show. Her name is Heather Wild, and she has a story of a toxic, abusive, gaslighting, and narcissistic relationship. An unbelievable story and and courage and strength to get out. Um, And she and I have a lot in common, so I hope you enjoy this episode with Heather Wild. Hello, everybody. Anonymous Andrew once again with another very special episode. Today, I have Heather Wild. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Heather? That's right. That's okay. Right. Heather is an educator, a writer, and a speaker, and has recently published her memoir entitled Tumbled. Is yes, that correct? Yes. Okay. And um, when I read Heather's bio, um, it looked very familiar. <laughs> so... Um, I invited her on to tell us her story because we also have something else in common, which we'll talk about a little later. Heather, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you, why you're here? Well, first, if if my bio resonated with you, I feel like I should start with an apology. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah. Like sad, but, sad, but funny. Yeah. Yeah. Sad, but funny. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so my name is Heather Wild. I've been Heather Getty, Heather Youngquist, Heather Getty, Heather Kelly, and then I didn't have a name to go to, and so I picked Wild, because when you have had a, a traumatic life with lots of uh, ups and downs, twists and turns, you know, sometimes you're just so lost uh, that you, that you need to find a new name, a new identity, and so that's that's who I am. I was. I was someone who uh, grew up religious um, and I was, I always kind of joke, you know, we talk about people putting us in a box, right? You know, like, oh, do you fit in the box? Well, I used to, I kind of say that my parents, not only did they put me in a box, but I'm pretty sure they use like packaging tape to mm-hmm. shut it, right? And so I was comfortable with that. I was not a rebeller. Right. And so I was someone who I think we call that codependent, where you start growing up believing that you are the one that's responsible for the feelings of other people around you. I became very sensitive to that. And all of a sudden, it doesn't take long. If you grow up like that as a child, it doesn't take long for you to really never identi- uh, develop an identity. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're always more concerned about, mother's feelings or or what did you do right for mom or what did you do wrong to to earn the guilt and shame lecture um and that that's what fed into 
uh, you know, the relationships that I got into later in life that included some gaslighting and some and emotional abuse and were toxic and 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 it was because of this child who grew up not believing they had a voice and questioning their own thinking and feelings. Um, and I carried that right into my first marriage. Um, and, and, and so I've had two marriages too, um, just like you, I've, uh, I've enjoyed the single life now for a few years and healed myself. So, so yeah. Um, would you like me to talk about just kind of, um, where the next chapter and how, how I kind of figured out that I was a part of something that was pretty toxic and gaslighting and its effects on me. Yeah, because that's pretty, that's is why I, I resonated with your story. I, 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 and similar, I, although I don't know that I was put in a box and wrapped up, but I was always brought up with that children are to be seen, not heard. And um, I turned out to be a people pleaser. And I, I, I'm a, one of these people that would rather be passive and not aggressive. And if, if there's a, I avoid confrontation. And if you say something, I will agree with you, yada, yada, yada. So, um, which got me into relationships where I would become the, the, the woman would basically wear the pants. She's the one that controlled everything. I would always find a more independent, more, uh, very well off woman. I always seem to attract women who, are independent financially and uh, you know like they've made it in life um but they're just not available emotionally or sexually or or any relationship wise and they would call the shot so yeah let's t tell us about I i'd love if you'd like to share some of the trauma um sure sure i think i definitely would like to just kind of talk about what um you know, how bad it got before I understood what it was and where I needed, what I need to do to save myself, so to speak, and, and really how potent and powerful gaslighting can be. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a mind F, you know, I don't want to, I mean, it's, it's hard. And, and a lot of times if you don't, if you're not aware of it, so um, you know, I, I struggled. I was that kid because I really didn't feel love as a child. I kind of bounced from grass is greener, grass is greener, trying to find someone that would love me and, you know, that relationship. And so um, I really, you know, that's how, that's what I felt I needed. And so I did end up getting married and I, I didn't even, I was the last one of all my friends to get married. I didn't get married till I was 25. So I had plenty of time to kind of figure life out a little bit. I got married at 25 too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I thought, you know, I had friends with babies already. I'm like, okay, you're doing the right things, you know, and um, didn't understand the effects of my childhood. And so now I end up in this marriage, have the kids, white picket fence, but then the white picket fence is just not happening, you know? And so I had married someone a couple of years younger than me and same, same thing where it's like, okay, yeah, maybe they drink a lot but they're only 21, 22, like this will change. Mm. And I had not, because I grew up in the type of religious family that didn't really use a lot of alcohol. I had never seen alcoholism, but I had married an alcoholic mm. um, and, you know, had the kids, built the house, built the garage, did the things, did the things. But alcoholism, as I learned, you know, had a tendency to worsen 
and and with that can come some mental health challenges and anger mm-hmm. issues and you know it was so subtle because at the first few the first 8 years of the marriage i still was a people pleaser like you're talking about mm-hmm. and i could keep the peace i was selling myself short because that's what I knew how to do. Yeah. But I could keep the peace and maintain what seemed like a normal family. But being that there was another individual in the situation whose own health was deteriorating, then all of a sudden I couldn't. And the accusations got bigger or, you know, and the, and the thing with gaslighting is that you know, gaslighting by its definition is when someone basically tries to convince you that the way you're thinking is wrong. You Correct. know, like you're crazy. You know, yeah, you're, you're paranoid. Crazy. You're paranoid. Yeah. You're crazy. It's yes. psychological manipulation. Yeah, and it is powerful. And if if you happen to be on the receiving end of gaslighting and you grew up for the first 30 years of your life, believing that you were responsible for someone else's anger, happiness, or emotions, and they start shooting gaslighting at you, suggesting that, well, how can you even be mad at me right now? You're not even remembering that correctly. Or, or, Mm -hmm. or it is a slippery slope because that at that moment, when they would start to twist things, all of my power would trickle away it was gone mm-hmm. because if they were right if, if they were even right this much then i was the bad guy because i had upset them they make you doubt yourself i mean in the oh. very beginning you are you're concretely sure that you saw what you saw or you know what yeah. you know but yeah. over the time as they chip away at you you become doubtful about well me i'll speak for myself but i think you will you'll resonate with it you you start to I, and I, my audience knows this. I even got to the point where she said to me, you need to go on psychological meds. So I went to a psychiatrist and they put me on meds because yeah. she told me that I needed to. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's gaslighting. Yeah. I you went know? on meds too. I went okay. on meds too because I would not, because I was told to, but because I wasn't coping. I was so anxious. And for me, it wasn't depression. Um, I was walking on eggshells. You know, because I was dealing with someone who was angry um, and I was to blame. And so, you know, there were some really, really scary moments. And so uh, my anxiety to this day, um, that quick, you know, when you when you're that sensitive to someone's energy around you and you know that they are half a breath away from accusing you of some really horrible stuff. Um, my, my body doesn't even now necessarily know how to regulate well. And I've been out of that relationship for 11 years. Mm. Like I still have residual, um, like I have a, I have a dog walking behind me here and there's nothing worse than when that dog all of a sudden barks fast. Mm. And that is completely from gaslighting. It's from gaslighting and the, and it's a trigger. It's a trigger for me to, because I'm so edgy um, and and I stayed in an extremely traumatic situation of intense emotional sexual abuse and gaslighting for about three and a half years. Yeah, same Always, like say, Talking to them, thinking if I say the right things, if I can wake them up, if I can, you know, or if I can act differently. 
I was, mm. oh, so exhausting. And you know, there was another part of me too, though, that knew deep, deep down, mm-hmm. you know, but I also didn't know how to use my own voice. And I prayed for someone to look at me and say, do you realize how bad it is you can leave? I was waiting for that for years, like, because I didn't know how to take action for myself because I had been in a box that had been, you know, I just didn't have a voice to the point where I have a double neck fusion. C456 is fused Mm. for when I was about 40. Guess what? I believe it's because my voice was so trapped from my childhood, my whole way through, and then my marriage. I believe it corroded my neck. Mm. <laughs> if that isn't just a whole little spiritual hill of beans for you. Um, but yeah, there, and I don't know, you know, and I talked about this. I kind of, I only mentioned it briefly in the book, but I don't know if I would if I would have stayed, if I, if there had been physical uh, abuse, if, if I had gotten hit once, I think that we as a society accept physical abuse as that like straw you can leave. And I think I was strong enough probably to do that. But let me tell you, I believe the gaslighting and emotional abuse is so detrimental I can't say it's more detrimental because I haven't gone through physical abuse and so I don't belittle it but if I can sit here 11 years later write a book about what I've gone through still be on anxiety meds um, still feel bristly if someone something catches me off guard um, we know the effects are really long-term and this is exactly, this is why when I read your bio, I said, this is who I need to speak to. And this is why I started this podcast. I don't think the, let's just say the audience and, and anybody listening knows how traumatic or post-traumatic coming out of the other end of that type of relationship is. And I, it doesn't matter whether you're in there for two years or 10 years. Obviously, the longer you're in it, the more traumatic and longer healing time it will take. But when you come out of that, seven months ago was when the, I, I walked away. My head was spinning and I, I, I was literally lost in space. And I said, what just happened and how? And, and and so through this podcast is uh, each week I'm learning uh, you said before the term gaslight it's interesting you mentioned that because I was listening to a podcast today and they used the word gaslight and then the woman said that's the word of 2023 2020 is like everybody's throwing that word around and nobody really really knows what it means I did an episode on it um with an expert about gaslighting but people just throw that word around today as, oh, yeah, he's he gaslit me. But unless you truly have gone through it, you don't really know what it means or what it's the effects it has on you. You see something and you know that you're looking at it and, and then you tell that person and they convince you that you are not seeing that. And they literally do a great job at it. Yeah. And I think I think gaslighting for the most part is a, it's gradual and just, you know, if someone were to all of a sudden come out and and hit you, you know, that can happen, right? And maybe their anger had been increasing, but gaslighting is the, it's like, 
you know, there's these crumbs of things that happen because it, it can't be all of a sudden you and I meet and I look at you and I say, hey, Andrew, you know, the sky is green and, and you look and you don't know me or maybe you know me as a friend. And you're like, no, it's not. But there's something about loving someone, being committed to someone, believing that they have your heart and, and best interests at mind who comes at you suggesting that you've wronged them Mm -hmm. ultimately that's what gaslighting is is they're deflecting whether you came at them saying hey you hurt me because you did this or they just come at you period but what they're doing is they're deflecting and muddying the waters so much so that there is no longer a case for what I'm feeling. And they had, they do it in a way, in a backhanded way that all of a sudden now I'm, I'm on, I'm on trial. Like, yeah, you know, I'm on trial because I felt bad because you did ABC, but now all of a sudden gaslighting is spun, spun, spun. And so it, it does have to be gradual. And I think also, you know, that's how we get so caught off guard. You're like, well, how does that happen? Well, it's gradual and you love them. And, 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 and maybe some of the things they nailed you for, and we all don't have perfect memories or, you know, and so there's always that smidge of doubt that you have for yourself and like your beliefs and like, if they're, if they're angry enough, if they're truly people that are manipulating that degree, they're not going to back down. Yeah. And and it does not happen overnight. It's a slow breadcrumb. Like you said, they start off slowly. It could be small things and you don't even notice it. And I honestly, I, I've heard the term gaslighting, and now I know where it actually comes from. It comes from an Alfred Hitchcock movie back in the 1930s. I don't know if you, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it, there was a movie called Gaslight, and, and it was all about a man and a wife. And he, when the wife would go to bed or, or lay in bed or something, he'd go up in the attic and steal her jewelry or something. But they had gas lanterns back then, it, or at least in where he lived. And when he went to turn the gas light on in the attic, the rest of the house would dim. So the wife would say to him, why are the guests, why are the lanterns dimming? And he would say, they're not, you know, you're imagining it anyway. So they made, they made, they made a play out of it. And Alfred Hitchcock made a movie out of it. Um, And that's where the term comes from. Um, The exact thing that you, that you talked about how they twist it and, and, and throw it back at you is that you feel so bad because when I found out what my ex was doing, the extracurricular activities that she was engaged in her business of selling herself um, and confronted her on it. It, she took that and twisted it back to that. I was insulting her and I I was literally put in the doghouse for, for weeks where uh, she would only come out and talk to me or see me when she wanted to. And I was even months later, she held resentment for calling her a, a prostitute, you know, and, um anyway yeah I, I was just when you were telling that that's that's exactly how they could turn it around on you where you feel so horrible and she even brought in a third party she called a, a friend of ours the, a mutual friend and said you know what he just told me that i was and, and then he called me and he goes what are you what are you doing you're calling her a, you know and, and so they they will bring in other people to actually back them up to, to try to double down on it. So I'm sorry, I, I don't want to cut you off. No, but no, I think, I think what, what something that we haven't said is that 
I mean, a true manipulative, you know, I think that of course there's varying degrees, right? Um, but I think for two people in particular that I've dealt with outside of a parent, in both cases, I was the one that said we need to go to therapy, you know, and 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 couples therapy. And in both cases, I thought I was going to therapy to get validated. Mm. They hoodwinked both therapists. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so really, so I really, I think it's important to say that these people that choose to control others through gaslighting, manipulation, um, emotional trauma are good, you know, and, and I know there's bad therapists out there too. Like I get that, but in those moments when I was sitting there and a therapist would look at me and not validate whatever I had said and had kind of basically put a point in their court, I had, I again was a new layer of feeling. Mm. Well, am I right? Like, you know, like if, if this professional is not that, I mean, that's happened to me a couple of times where those therapists did so much damage because it made them go point up and they knew it. And then for me, I doubted myself even more. So he was so good. Yeah. The, the people who gaslight, there's gaslighters and then there's yeah. professional gaslighters yeah. where they're, so he was so good that he got the, ther he gaslit the therapist. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> and actually I had two, I had, well, I had then my second husband. That's a whole nother story that, um, because I hadn't broken the cycle yet, but yeah. yeah he gaslit the therapist and actually we were with we were with a man and a woman I mean you know perfect scenario right let's go to marriage therapy with a couple that's married sounds great the man got a crush on my husband at that time and then he attacked me for all like you could see he had a they had a bromance going on and he's the one then that just destroyed me mentally and I already gone through that first marriage. I mean, that was a much more, it was a different scenario, but oof, like you have to be careful. <laughs> I mean, is that, I mean, now as someone who's strong, you know, I was looking for help. I was looking for validation and to go to a professional who didn't yeah. was so hard. It was so hard. I, um, I I was fortunate enough. I did. We did the same thing. <laughs> Amazing how our stories are similar. I we went to my therapist, who is a nurse psychiatric nurse practitioner, but she was not able to gaslight her, and she tried. And I saw, I watched her, and then the next session I had with her, she said, "Do you realize that she's borderline personality and a narcissist, and she yeah. needs trauma therapy?" And we got her into therapy. But I think she couldn't gaslight the therapist. So, so we, we got her into her own therapy and she only stayed for two months because I think she couldn't deal with the therapist wanted to really help her and she wasn't willing. If they don't want help, they're not going to no, no. Same as an alcoholic. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I know that very well. <laughs> so. yeah, right. You have to want it. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It has to be deep and in, met in you. And I think... I think people with these person borderline personality disorders and and dysfunction in relationships, I don't know that they can see it. No, I don't they, know. You know, I really think so. Then all of a sudden they're going to a therapist, and the therapist maybe resembles some of the same things that we had said as a partner. Yeah. Of course, they're going to resist. Yeah, and so, and 
and if they're on the so and i learned this recently i thought a narcissist was a narcissist apparently there's a narcissism spectrum and we're all on it all of us are narcissists but you and i are down here and the other end of the spectrum is here and so people fall anywhere in the middle so a true person with narcissistic personality disorders all the way on the other end of the spectrum they're not self-aware they do not know that they're a narcissist so they're not going to walk into an office and go i need help even yeah. if you got them to go into an office they would talk their way out of it you know or gaslight i think gaslighting and narcissism sometimes go hand in hand I think so too. I, I think so. And I think that gaslighting is the strategy that's used when they feel threatened. A oh, narcissist yeah. just wants what they want, Correct. right? Like they're going to believe that the world revolves around them. And like you say, that's an ego and we are all on the spectrum. I can buy that. Some of us have tampered our egos down and some people have had them flourish, but I think gaslighting, you know, that's specific to, to deflecting or avoidance you know, it's a, it's a strategy. So you could have plenty of narcissism, uh, narcissists on the planet who are just happy and living life because they're doing their thing. Yeah. You know, and so I do, but I think gaslighting, you're right. I think they're, I bet, I would bet that the statistics say that narcissists, that, you know, there's a strong correlation between the two. Yeah. I, 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 a good gaslighter will probably be also high on the on the narcissism yeah. spectrum um yeah. not all of them not all of them but um a good portion of them so so tell me about your so you you mentioned a second marriage and and that's over oh, yeah you said you're single yeah so sorry i didn't mean to laugh like that <laughs> <laughs> um yes you know you know i i'll preach it all the way through you know like we said before we got on tape like my dysfunctional relationships when I looked back and when I want to point fingers I was the common denominator and when I left my marriage of 13 years that had definitely turned abusive and I was a wreck I had other things going wrong in my life because that's how life works and I didn't have much of a support system and I was drowning I mean I was drowning and I thought that just getting away from my abuser was the golden ticket I didn't realize, you know, the eight years of therapy I was going to need that would unpack my childhood and my marriage. Like, I did not know. I thought, so I'm just over here going, oh, yeah, I just ended a narcissistic marriage. I've been abusive, highly abusive for four years. I'm going to start dating him. Um, I didn't get married for like two and a half years after I think I had left that marriage, but I was not healed in any shape of the word and i did not pick wisely mm. and that's the name of my show anonymous andrew life and the choices we make and it's and it's all about making the choosing wisely <laughs> thank you for saying that and and also I, i'm in the same boat where i was repeating the same pattern over and over again by just leaving one relationship start dating getting into another one and finding myself right back yeah in the in the opening of my podcast, I say been there, still doing that. You know, as opposed to been there, done that. I'm still doing that, and I like you are now taking some time off from dating. And well, that's not entirely true, but I'm not going to get into a relationship. Um, I, I need to fix whatever's broken on this end, 
Um, I take full responsibility for a lot of the, I mean, while I, I, I went through what you went through, I stayed. And like you did, we, we stay. Why do we stay? You know, and um, 11 years, you were married the first time? I was married um, 12 years. Yeah, 12 that, years. The, the divorce took about a year, almost a year, because, um, you know, a narcissist doesn't want to like make that an easy process either. So, oh, of course not. No. Yeah. And I think there were, like you said, there were red flags all along. Um, I chose to ignore them. I thought correct age would change it. I would change it, whatever, you know, very delusional in that belief. And it took me a long, long time to understand the only person in any scenario I control is myself. And, and that really released a lot of anything like, I can look at people that, you know, and, and just believe, okay, they're being their best selves. Like this is who they are. I get to yeah. choose how much they're in my life or not. So I've done extensive healing and working in who am I and healing your child was a big part of it. Um, that was the clincher for me. I don't know if you've done that yet. Um, if not, that's something I, 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 I I've done. So because I'm in recovery, I do have a 12 step program. So there, there's, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the 12 steps do address yeah. a lot of why we drank okay. excessively and, and, and even childhood stuff. Um, um, let's talk about something that caught another thing that caught my eye in your bio. And we talked about briefly um, and my audience doesn't know this, but, um, but I'll, we'll start with you. You, are passionate about uh, trauma tattoos. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that for a little bit? I, when I, I knew, well, I, number one, I grew up religious. Tattoos were not a thing. Of course. Me too. Me too. And so after I left that marriage, I felt so empowered because nobody reached out to give me a handout. Like this was all Heather figuring it out. So I went and got, I can show it. You can't, it'll be upside down for you, but here's the first one. Um, it's upside down. It says courage. Okay. And it's that tree with the cross at one end. And this, that was my very first tattoo. And I saw that it was my badge I had earned, you know, the warrior Correct. badge. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I mean, I would look at that thing and it was like, it defined me. And I, you know, and, and oddly enough, or maybe conveniently enough, you know, in my parents' eyes, I also had sold my soul to the devil. And oh. that created, you know, much more rifts because I got this tiny little tattoo that says courage with a cross on it of all things. Um, and so then as time went on, so now we're talking uh, the last 10 years, I started getting more and more tattoos. Um, one of them is my story arm. And then one of them is kind of symbolic symbolically speaking too and it was only like maybe a year or two ago that I realized that you know that I could identify that my tattoos were trauma therapy for me mm. like you Correct. know badging myself and here's the thing 95% of my tattoos are on my arms because I needed to see, see them. them correct there you know like to me it was like this is mine I need to see it and and I equated it just probably within the last two years to to trauma therapy but I also realized, and I kind of understood, you know, that newer wave of 
the people cut. I mean, I didn't hear cutting when I was a kid. I don't know if it was around back then or not, but we do know about it now and kids that feel this sort of relief and this is what they need to do to suggest their trauma. And I, I all of a sudden realized like, you know, the tattoos hurt. They do. <laughs> you know, and, and they, you know, and they're forever. And you think of like people that have chosen cutting as their, as their outlet, it also doesn't feel good. And, and leave scars and it leaves scars and so i you know and oftentimes it's on the arms and mm -hmm. so i just really put it all together and understood that you know i'm happy that mine is a little bit you know more artistic than a cutter's I but agree. i get it like i get it and and it was it was my journey and and i love it and i wouldn't change it for anything mm -hmm. I, 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 for anything. I, I, I too brought up religious, a very Catholic family. And when I got my first tattoo at 30 something, I, it was a parrot on my back and I hid it from my, and as a 35 year old, I'm hiding it from my parents, you know, because just like you, I was, I would be outcast. Um, and then I got a couple of more, um, but I kept them like, unlike you at the time, where I could put a shirt on and you wouldn't see them. So I went over to mom and dad's house. I was like 40 years old. I'm hiding tattoos from my parents. It wasn't until I got into recovery the second time around in 2015 that like you, I felt the tattoos and, and the, I had the same feeling. I, the, the, the needle, the tattoos hurt. So I, as you see, and the audience, and I don't think that's what I say. I don't think the audience knows I have two sleeves. And like you, one arm tells one story. It's, it tells the story of my past, my demonic past. And the right hand, right arm is my spiritual going forward path. It's amazing. And that's the other thing that caught my eye with you was that you have, you express your life trauma and your hope and journey through body art. And that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. You, you know what, as someone um, who, you know, is recovering, um, you will you may or may not appreciate this. This might give you a laugh, but that little tattoo I showed you, which is maybe about three and a half inches long, that says courage with the cross and the tree mm -hmm. my very first. Um, my parents, you know, they were falling out of my life at the same time that I was making choices to get out of this toxic, gaslit, um, abusive marriage. And they were like, are you on drugs? You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But no, the, I saw them about a few months later and we were on our outs. We were on the outs and they looked at me and said, we wish you were on drugs so we could fix you. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> oh, God. Because of my three and a half inch tattoo with the cross, my parents said they wished I was on drugs so they could fix me. And I had just left my abusive marriage and was still just a mad yeah. case. And so... You know, I think some of my tattoos also are my way of being sovereign. Because if my parents were willing to say that to me for mm. getting out of something abusive. It's a little rebellious too. Yeah, I would, I mean, I don't see them anymore. So they're not seeing what I'm doing, you know, so it's for me. I would never yeah. suggest otherwise, but I may be at the beginning, maybe at the beginning. Sure, I'll buy that for a book. My, my only regret about the tattoos and like you there i wouldn't i i would do it over again is that once you become covered in them 
there's a stigma attached to them. For men, I let me rephrase that. For men, when they see a man with sleeve tattoos or covered in tattoos, they're considered bad boy, and um, or maybe a drug addict or a, a, a biker or you know, and I'm anything. Well, the drug addict in recovery, yes, but uh, and so getting dates is hard. Or women will swipe right right past you and um, because oh nope. Nope. And because there's a stigma, even today, I mean, I could understand 20 years ago th that that mentality. But today, I think there's you see more tattoos on everybody. Everybody's got one or two somewhere, one on their, you know, uh, maybe on their neck or on their wrist. Um, but if you have a whole slew of them, you somehow become judged already. You're, I'm, I'm judged and what is it? What is that? It's a judge, jury, and trial, and done. You know. Yeah, but guess what? Those aren't your people. They're Those not my people, right? So you can actually say thank you because you didn't. You would have never dated them anyway if they yeah. were willing to swipe on you just based on having a tattoo. So it's one less ass hat that you have to talk to through a dating website. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. They did you a service and, yeah. and you know, you don't want to around, be around people that would literally swipe based on our journey. This is, yeah. this is my journey. And I want yeah. someone to be able to look at my tattoos and say, damn, tell me the story. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny you say that because in my, well, I used to put in my profile, by the way, I have two sleeves and they tell a story. If you want to hear it, let, hit me up yeah. or something. You know, I would say that. Yeah. Um. And and I and I was and I did date. Obviously, I I in my sobriety, I've had three girlfriends, and I obviously accepted the tattoos. Um. But anyway, we're we're I'm we're talking about me. I want to talk about you. Um. <laughs> so, okay. Um. Tell me, <laughs> tell me a little bit about <laughs> you're you're my guest, and I'm going. I'm I'm taking up. What? Tell me about your your book, Tumbled. How did you come to write that? Oh, yes. So the full title, it's Tumbled. Um, and it's a memoir of perseverance, personal growth, and magical transformation. And, you know, that's really my journey. Um, about 2018, I'd had another really significant aha moment in my life, something where I was that common denominator happened. And I had been telling some people and their eyes would get big or I was talking to some law officials. They're like, well, we've never heard of this. This is fascinating. And I started saying, yeah, I know my life belongs on Dateline. You know, I just kind of repeated it. And I'm like, well, that's really not funny. But I was like, you should write a book. And I was an English major. I was an English teacher. And so I thought, I'm going to I'm going to write about this. I'm going to write about this weird dumpster fire life. Well, I mapped it out. But here's the thing. You know, you write a book to air your dirty laundry, but if you're still unhealthy, it's probably um, a poor me victim mentality yep. pointing some fingers, even if the names are changed. And the universe very swiftly um, removed my creative energy. So I didn't, I didn't continue it. It just, it, it, I did nothing with it. I, I made an outline. 
Well, then I had to go through some more crap and I had to heal some more. And all of a sudden it's four years later and I ran across an ad on Facebook at five in the morning that said, is 2022 your year to get your book written? Mm. And I had signed up in under 10 minutes. I, I just signed up. And mm. so 2022 was my year. And I, I wrote the book in five months, very passionately. It's a, it's a memoir and you know, it's, it's who was that common denominator, <laughs> and, you know, and it is about, it is about what, what people did to me. I don't argue that there are people that we regrettably run into that we wish oh, we hadn't, absolutely. but I very much so wanted this book to, with no doubt, it's about me and my journey and my knowing that I had to change and how I figured that out and what did I do and the baby steps, because it's not about them. You know, everybody's got people like them in their lives. And so I needed the book to be about me and my growth. And, and so that it could also be a tool for others. And it does, it, deal, it deals with, you know, emotional and sexual abuse, narcissism, gaslighting, um, the failure of our court systems, for sure. Oh. Um, you know, yeah. two and a half years ago, I was homeless. Mm. And, and I have my master's degree, you know, like, not that that says anything, but I was a successful teacher with my master's degree. I was saving kids lives. I worked with the toughest kids in a, in a low socioeconomic, um, bigger city. Mm. And I, when we were, but yet I was still stuck in my patterns, yeah. you know? And so that was the book and it came out and it, I feel 20 years younger um, it was nerve, it was nerve wracking to write and nerve wracking. To oh, the labor of love. Yeah. Like, but it was, I didn't realize that, you know, once the sky, it published and the sky didn't fall, which was nice. Cause I <laughs> thought it would, you know, um, then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, that, that story's over there. I don't have to worry about it anymore. And Interesting. So now, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. All, yeah, I didn't know that. Like, I feel better. Like I feel lighter. You it's purged. Like you purged. I purged it. And and then this new blessing, that book came out. It got published right around Valentine's Day. And by the following weekend, I had um, been contacted by a local family to write the book of their mother in hospice. Oh, Ooh, how nice. It was her dream, you know, like a Tuesdays with Maury concept. Mm. Um, and it has been the most beautiful event of my life. And the, I'm just finishing the manuscript right now. So I'll be publishing wow. another book here in about four weeks. Congratulations. That's great. So you're off to becoming, you're, you're now an author. I, I just put a concept together in my head. So you have a background, like you said, in English and, and a master's. Yeah. Um, after your trauma to help you heal and and i think the book did help you purge you wrote wrote a memoir while i i have a master not a master's i have a bachelor's in communication arts and i also um a minor in not just psychology but it, it, when you take a communication arts major you got to study english as well and um i wanted to be a radio dj and, and I was a radio DJ in high school and college. And even after I worked for a local station, um, that's another whole story. But that's funny. M many decades later, here I am 
on back on the microphone using my background to purge because that's basically so you took your education to purge by writing a memoir and heal and this is my way of doing it and at least we had something to fall back on to help us heal yeah and yeah. that's now i'm paying it forward i help people write their memoirs that's oh that, and that's great you know because it yeah. is it is a phenomenal way to heal don't be surprised you get a phone call from me one day. <laughs> I am waiting for it. Absolutely. Okay. You know what? And with your voice talent, see what you can do is we'll just get on this mic and you tell me your stories. You write we'll it. Tape them and then I'll mm. write them all out. Something beautiful. I got think you. about that. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, and here's, here's the good part that I, is that we are able to talk about this, laugh about it, yeah. Um, but still get the message out there because I bet you were where I was when you come out of the other end of that relationship, whatever one it was, you're just a shell of a person. You, you, you're just, you're empty, you're void. You, you're, your self-respect is at an all time low. You have no self-love. You're shameful. Um, people, you, you think people around you think you're a loser. And I mean, this is, I'm speaking for myself, Yep. Um, but per pushing or persevering for months and years, we finally come to a point where we can openly talk about it and share it with each other. And, and you write it down and I'm talking about it. And it's, we, one of the things that I heard, and I, and I always remember after a breakup, when you, let's say they break your heart, they say nobody ever died from a broken heart. You know, we didn't, die, you know, you, but you, you almost wish you were dead, but, um, we survived. We made it through that, you know, yeah. and that's a testament to you and your courage and, um, your education and your, your soul just. Thank you. Thank you. It Heather, is there anything you'd like to leave us, um, Let's say that there's somebody listening who might be in an abusive, toxic relationship that they just found out what gaslighting is about and they don't know what to do. What would what would you offer advice? I think number one, just get yourself educated. If you have the if you don't feel good about something that's happening in your in your relationship and you don't know if it's gaslighting or not you know, talk to someone so that you can get another perspective. Because when your head starts swimming like that, I found going online on Pinterest, finding quotes that talked about gaslighting and I could just resonate. I'd start mm -hmm. saving these things. That was my very easy button. But quite honestly, usually gaslighting, if it's been going on, it really does take some professional help. Um, you know, and people are welcome to reach out to me. I do work with trauma processing. Um because I think that that's some of the best people that can help others. That peer to peer. Yep. Peer to peer, you know, having this conversation with you has meant so much to me because when you are being gaslit, you are not being validated. Yeah. And so Nobody you, understands it, but the person has been through it. They couldn't. They couldn't. And so to talk to someone else, like, I know what you've gone through and mm -hmm. it's freaking hell. Um, and it's, it's awful that this isn't some sort of a crime. When you come out the other side, there is, 
you know, and not that the court systems would, um, not the court support it anyway, because no. they don't, no. but it's hard. And so, yeah. Um, so for they, anyone that's gone through it. Yeah. They, the court system, they don't even hold up restraining orders. You, restraining orders yeah. have become useless these days. You can put one, you can get one, but if they break it and you call the police, nothing happens. In most cases, unless, unless there's a beating or, or physical harm or, or, or murder, God forbid. But you're right. The court systems, I, I don't think they'll ever be. And plus, how do you prove it? You can't prove it unless you had something, a, a no, recording or something. But um it's a you shame. All you can do is get healthier yourself. That's, that's all it. you can do. Baby steps to health. That's all you can do. You align with the people that make you feel good and make you feel loved and make you feel seen and supported. And that's where you focus. That's he that's what I say. Heather, where can we find you? Um, I'm going to put everything in the show notes, but is there anything you'd like to a uh, 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 website that you uh... yeah absolutely so um i primarily i'm on facebook a lot is just heather wild e at the end of wild but then also my website and my brand is called wild house of and the reason i do that it's wild house of because everybody's welcome at my wild house and everybody needs something else do you need empowerment it's the wild house of empowerment it's the wild house of validation the wild house of hope um, encouragement. What do you need? But it's going to be a safe space. And so wildhouseof.com is my, is my space. And they can contact you through there or through absolutely. Facebook. Absolutely. Through Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Heather, it was an absolute delight speaking with you. And um, I, I finally feel validated myself that somebody else understood because I've been having experts on telling me all about what gaslighting is, but nobody I haven't had anybody on who experienced it. So wow. it, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. I wish you luck. Congratulations on your uh, uh, becoming an author and a memoir uh, writer. And um, I wish you the best of luck. And I might just reach out to you one day with, with my story. So sounds great. Uh, best luck to you too. All right, Heather. Thank you so much. Thank you. All I can say is, wow, the courage, and the most important part of the takeaway here is that if you have not gone through a relationship of narcissism, gaslighting, alcoholism, any kind of abuse, emotional, psychological abuse, and you come out the other end, nobody knows what it feels like. And um, I found somebody who can um, identify. And when I read her bio, I knew right away that she needed to tell her story. So thank you once again for listening to Anonymous Andrew, Life and the Choices We Make. Please, I, please, I beg you, stop for one moment and go down to the bottom of your platform. If you're on Apple, Spotify, and leave me a review, five stars would be nice. And just put a little blurb in the box there. Um, I it does help me push the podcast up to get um, to reach more people, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help as many people as I can. Of course, it's a big world out there, and there's a million podcasts. But if I can make a small dent, it would be appreciated. And and helping somebody is my goal. 
Once again, thank you. And if you're going to choose, please choose wisely. Ciao.